Hey there, and welcome to the Two Mom Life Podcast, a show for moms like us balancing it all and ready to live an inspired and full life. Everybody, welcome. I'm your host, Jody Freed, mom of four, Jewish community professional, and mother's empowerment coach. Motherhood is a journey, and on this podcast, inspired by Jewish thought, you will learn from other moms, receive practical advice, and loads of inspiration. Motherhood is messy and certainly not perfect. So here is to mom life, to finding your way, to finding perfect moments. Here is to you. Welcome back to the Jewish Mama Mashup. Really excited to be here today with Katherine Wilcox, who's going to tell a little bit about herself, but she's talking about a very, very important and relevant issue right now, and that is mindfulness. Mindfulness for ourselves and practicing mindfulness with our kids. So I'm really excited for this conversation. Just FYI, we are in the midst of the COVID-19 outbreak as we're doing this interview. And that's why I just think this is so, so perfect. Catherine, thank you for joining me. Yeah, and can you introduce yourself? Tell everybody who you are. Gosh, um, I am 43. I live in Sarasota, and my cousin Rebecca from Balagon Be Gone, um, who lives in Haifa, she suggested this might be something very, very helpful for other mamas out there. And while I'm not a mom biologically, the people with whom I work in the community, I do consider so many of them my, my kids. So I do think there is family by choice. I don't think being a mom is necessarily defined by biology. So it really is my honor and privilege to be a part of this for all you mamas out there and for anyone else who, who may find something helpful. Absolutely. And we're just so lucky to be hearing from you. You really are at the forefront of the mindfulness field. So we are so lucky. Tell us, why is mindfulness important? Oh, well, on a personal <laughs> note, <laughs> mindfulness is one of the reasons that I was able to save my own life. I have a long history and struggle with depression and anxiety and trauma. And until I was able to find mindfulness and something called dialectical behavior therapy, I wasn't really able to manage my emotions. And so, so much of what we're seeing today, especially with the addiction epidemic and just general dysregulation is that children especially, but all humans need to learn to regulate their emotions. So when you've grown up in an environment that may be invalidating or not, sometimes we struggle to regulate. And the idea of mindfulness is to understand that you are never going to change what life throws at you, but you are always going to be able to change your response to it. You learn to work with what is rather than what you wish were. You accept what is rather than fighting reality as it is. Reality is being able to choose each moment for what it is. Wow. Yeah. And how perfect, right? We're in the midst of this time when life has been thrown upside down for so many of us. So, and it's really like a, a skill. It's something that we have to learn, I think, and maybe train ourselves to look at life that way. Now, when I started to hear about mindfulness a few years ago, I immediately, my mind went to meditation. That is mindfulness. So I think you've broadened that scope 
with the, with the description that you shared, how does meditation fit into the mindfulness picture? How else can one practice mindfulness and bring it into our lives and into our kids' lives as well? We can bring it into our lives everywhere. I mean, and, and while it is absolutely something that is learned and you sort of build on your mini habits and you, you build victories and you cobble things out, kids are often the biggest inspiration because that is how they live. And so meditation, which I always start my classes with, with a small guided meditation. And meditation, in my opinion, if it becomes something that's on your to-do list to cross off, it may not be for you, and that's okay. Mindfulness has become a buzzword lately. Certainly the way I teach it, I'm not a very chill person, so when people hear I teach mindfulness, they're, what's happening there? However... I'm very empathic, which means I'm sort of taking everybody else's emotions. And so meditation for me becomes something I can do in my car, in the shower. And the idea of mindfulness and meditation is to do one thing at a time with your mind, body, and spirit. So whatever you're doing, do just that. Very often when we were allowed to go outside of our homes, we would see, you know, people eating, but they were never just eating. So they were reading or they were talking or they were on their phones or they were doing something else. And this is frankly why diets don't work, right? Because our bodies are going to tell us exactly what they need. We're just not the best listeners. So there are a few simple things you can do if you're not ready to sit down and, and find a Google meditation that works for you. And the most effective one is your breathing. So your breathing is it's accessible, it's free, it's going to be with you until you die. And while there's been a big hike in people using benzodiazepines, things like Xanax and Valium, which touch your parasympathetic nervous system, the thing that's been proven to calm yourself down the most is diaphragmatic breathing. So that is where you feel your belly expand and your lungs fill up. So one thing that can be very helpful is to breathe in through your nose. And as you do this, feel your lungs fill up. How grateful are we that we, our lungs are working and they can fill in with air that we are, that we have, that is clean, that is accessible. And as you do this, feel your belly expand in sort of a, a pregnant pose, for lack of a better term. And when you're in and you feel comfortable and safe, hold your breath for just a few seconds. And on your out-breath, make your out-breath longer than your in-breath. You can make it the same, but the idea is to really acknowledge the out-breath. And that's where the peace and calm comes in. If you feel safe, you can close your eyes. If not, that is fine. A lot of trauma survivors don't feel comfortable doing this, but that's fine. Just pick a, pick a spot and focus on that. So your lungs are going to fill, but your belly is going to be what's expanding. And most people typically don't breathe like that. And that's okay if you're not comfortable. Just focus on your breathing. Your breathing will always bring you back to the present, however you are breathing. But sometimes people get flustered and they say, I can't breathe. And my response is, but if you can talk, you can breathe. So be mindful that you can breathe. But when you're, it's shallow and rapid, it may feel that way. And then the emotions kick in and you feel overwhelmed. And then your thinking gets distorted because you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain. So... Your hands, another very helpful position is called willing hands. So the idea of willing hands, and while you're seated, it is your, your, the back of your palms are going to rest on your thighs, and your hands are gently open. 
And if you think about this, this is really the opposite of anger. When you are flooded with feelings of anger, rage, things like that, you, you tend to clench, you clench your body, you, mm-hmm. and your body responds to that because it's all connected. The mind, body, spirit, not one of them is an island. Not one of them works independently of another. Right. And so this says to the universe, oh, I am open. I'm going to try this. I'm not sure if it will work, but I'm willing and I'm offering that. And so the physiological part of your brain will notice that. Another quick tip is sometimes people feel if they breathe in through one nostril, so you close one nostril and then switch it out with your other nostril and breathe out it's, a, it's sort of regulatory, right? I mean, you have to focus more because it's a smaller space for the air to come in and get out. And if you'll notice, you might notice the energy shift after just a breath or two. Mm. And this is just something you can do quickly. You can, if you're embarrassed, you can go to the bathroom and do it. <laughs> but I find this one useful because I am, you know, I am a I'm totally neurotic. I mean, who are we kidding? And, and I'm going and I'm thinking and my brain is having 70,000 thoughts a day, which yours is too. Mine just seems right. to happen all the time. Right. Um, and the idea is you are not your thoughts. Thoughts are not facts. You are going to have 70,000 plus thoughts a day, probably more if you're me. But the idea is to not let them nest in your hair, right? Imagine a conveyor belt or a cloud. So that thought doesn't have to become a behavior. I'm having the thought that whatever fill in the blank that feels unwanted or negative or overwhelming. Yes, that's okay. I am having that thought. But the thing about emotions is they must be acknowledged. Everything wants to be acknowledged. Every human, every experience, every emotion. And until you begin to acknowledge them, they will remain. What you resist persists. They are little narcissists. Emotions love themselves and they will continue to come back until you acknowledge them exactly as they are. That's when they will be more free to leave. So interesting. So, so doing those breathing exercises kind of helps us, helps us be present with ourselves, helps us recognize and feel those emotions and let go of the ones that aren't serving us in a way exactly and especially with a child when you meet a child's aggression with adult aggression you're really adding fuel to the fire and Mm -hmm. so if you're looking to sort of extinguish aggressive behavior you want to meet it with with calm and compassion and help them understand that calm doesn't equal passivity i mean Uh to, to teach it you must be it and so we we see this often with kids and here i mean we consider youth up to 24 years. So what are some ways that we can talk to our kids about mindfulness? Do you have any advice on that? So often I hear um, parents, not admonish, but but children seek attention, right? And so we, we are, we're very good at labels. Well, you're, this is attention seeking behavior. And if you sort of shift that and change that into connection seeking or relationship seeking, watch how their perspectives shifts. Every human is trying to get their needs met, every one of us. And when you've been hurt or when something has happened, you you will go get your need met perhaps ineffectively or hurtfully. And when you shift and try and understand that everything we do and everything we say comes from somewhere. And we're trying to teach our kids, how do we help them get their needs met effectively? Okay. And that I think is, is also part of this. I mean, right now in this 
pandemic, kids are not going to remember specific things about this virus. They're going to remember the energy in the house and the feelings that came in the house. And so they're going to watch you and they're going to learn from you. So you have this chance to wire them for resiliency rather than panic and stress and concern. And they, they will respond. I mean, you can reparent yourself at this point too. <laughs> right? How you talk to your kids, you're going to take in everything you hear. Totally. Yeah, no, totally. For some of us who are unfamiliar and not very tuned in to mindfulness, there are moms watching who know that there's value in mindfulness, but haven't really incorporated it in any way into their lives or into their kids' lives. So what are some ways to talk about it? So one, I think what you touched on is it's like kind of like this mindset shift in how we view our kids uh, and in the labels that we're putting on them. And so what are some ways that we can take that, you know, shift our mindset and then what's the next step like into incorporating the mindfulness? Kids are going to tend to respond more to modeling than verbiage necessarily, right? So I mean, I'm sure as most of you know, you want to get down on their level and you know, you want to look them in the eye, but a lot of parenting is sort of tolerating and sitting with your kid when they have these big emotions that feel completely overwhelming. So our brains are wired for connection. They really are. I mean, when you've experienced trauma, they tend to wire for protection, but for the most part, we are wired to connect with others. And so in this age of coronavirus. This is where technology can play such a seminal part in connection if it's mm -hmm. used mindfully. But the other piece is when you're, you're sitting with your child who may be struggling, who may be overwhelmed, and you may be as well, yeah. for both of you, let that child know it's okay to feel however they are feeling. Because we tend, we have an, a tendency, an instinct, I think, as, as caregivers, as, as humans who care, who are full of compassion to say, don't worry, it's going to be fine. Don't cry. What can I do yeah. to take this away? Actually, I fully support doing the opposite. You do feel this way because otherwise you're, you're essentially invalidating how they feel and they in turn right. say, well, so this must mean I'm not good or whatever it is. And the judgments come in, right? We're, we're judgment machines. I'm, and that's where the labeling and the good yeah, and the bad. Yeah. And Subconsciously even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they take it in. And we've all heard that there's sponges and that is true. So when you sit with them and yes, they may be crying. Okay. If they're having a temper tantrum, that's a different situation. But if they're crying and they're scared, have them if you can draw out smiley faces and sad faces and different emotions, have them point to that. Because huh. often, even as adults, we don't know what we're feeling. And often we're feeling two things that feel completely opposite that are absolutely true at the same time. We do feel happy and we do feel sad. We do feel hopeful and we do feel dejected all at once. I mean, I live in Florida. It's raining and it's sunny here all the flipping time. <laughs> okay, totally opposite, but both are true at the same time time. In, in South Africa, we call that a monkey's wedding. <laughs> I love that. Okay, I'm going to use that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's so true. And how interesting that that in itself, pointing out, helping your kids recognize which emotions they're feeling. Good point. We, yeah, good, good point. That's such, yeah, such, because such. When advice. you are able to manage your emotions, 
you will be able to change them. But before you can manage them and change them, you must, must recognize what they are. Label them, witness them, observe them, notice them, whatever. But often we don't know, and then it becomes overwhelming. So we are never responding to an event. Every event is neutral. It's just a series of facts. What happens is our brain makes an automatic interpretation of that event, and that's where emotions come from. Wow. Right, so the coronavirus is an unfortunate an example, yeah. but it's an event. There's a bunch of facts. This is the virus, this, this, this. These are the facts, but we're not responding to the virus. We're responding to the interpretation our brain has made to the event, and that's where our emotions are coming from. And that's been such an interesting thing to witness as we've navigated this and gone through it, because there really is nothing anyone can do. You know, like there's nothing we can do to change what is right now the way like one's helpless all you can do is kind of sit at home and stay within your little little space it's like an extended shabbat in a it lot is of like an extended right? and so these are the times where we often wish we had and now it's handed to us and all of a sudden we feel trapped and feeling right. trapped is one of the biggest triggers for human beings right that feeling of <gasps> i i'm i'm trapped i can't i can't i can't when in fact we are not actually trapped. We are cordoned off from certain life events, but feeling trapped comes from within. It, it, it's not about the external. Transformation is going to come from inside. The change is the external stuff. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. And we have the power. We have the power to change ourselves, to be on a journey of transformation. You're, you're proof. <laughs> right? I'm living proof. I mean, in, in seven um, treatment centers and wow. I struggled with um, a suicide attempt and lots of years of self-harm and I, when I walked out of my last treatment center I said that's it this is it for me today's the day things are going to shift and I made that choice and I make the choice every single day to live to not survive to get up to get out of bed right. to get dressed to shower to be part of this life and engage in it and it's such a privilege for me I work with women in the jail I work um, with people in the homeless shelter I work with adolescents in teen court I work with our specialty courts which are mental health court and drug court and this is what I teach I teach mindful emotion regulation because so yeah. many of those folks haven't learned how right yeah very privileged people haven't learned how and it can be such a powerful tool and we can we can experience and achieve transformation in big ways and in small ways and it's all significant and um so thank you, Catherine. Thank you so much for being here and having this conversation you, with me. I think you're amazing. You are such oh. a beautiful guest to this. I love that you're doing this, and I'm just so honored to have been a part. So if you need anything, anybody, I am here. Well, where can people find you? If they oh, want to yes. Um, I, do, I have a website, which is alifeworthliving.life. So one word, a life worth living. Um, you can always contact Jody for my information. I am an open book. I am I am on Facebook at Catherine, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, Hope, H-O-P-E. Instagram is just <laughs> Kaki Hope, K-A-K-I, Hope. I'm, I'm around, I, I really am, and I, I do firmly believe that we are not meant to live this life alone. We are yeah. meant to be connected, and what that looks like is different for everyone. Yeah. So please trust that when things feel overwhelming and things feel hard and you feel like your heart is breaking and you do feel like you can't breathe, to just lean into that. 
It's yeah. not going to be that way forever. Nothing is. The good yeah. times, the, the bad times, the sad times. It's like a wave, right? It, it cannot possibly physiologically yeah. stay up. It must come down. It's quantum physics. If I That's knew about right. quantum physics. And it's a beautiful way also for us to lean into Hashem, you know, Absolutely. these, these okay. waves and just feeling them and mindfulness is a beautiful way to kind of embrace that and strengthen our relationship with Hashem as well, who is orchestrating the world, you know, in just the way it needs to happen. So um, into that and, yeah. and he begins at home. So yeah. this, is, this is where we are right now. So I do believe that there is a blessing in this for all of us. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Catherine, and everyone will see you next time. All Bye. Right. Thank you for tuning in to the Two Mom Life podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please remember to rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about me and my work helping moms feel filled up and in balance, or helping moms integrate family adventures, big and small, into mom life, or to explore how we can work together, visit my website, loveadventuremom.com, or find me on Facebook and Instagram at the handle loveadventuremom. Till next time, l'chaim to life.